Hi, and welcome to Generation Changers Church Podcast. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Barry Smith. Well, we are talking about the core values that shape the culture of our church family, but more importantly, we're talking about making them the core values of our lives. We've talked about the Jesus passion. Jesus put us first when he went to the cross, so we put Jesus first. We've talked about last week generational faith, and I have never seen such a challenge issued by the Holy Spirit for us to model genuine Christian faith in our homes. That's where it's passed on. Today, we're jumping to radical generosity. And here's what it says. You can't beat God giving, but we try. We practice generosity as a church throughout the years and ongoing. We minister to families in need. There are two wonderful ladies you never see that manage on an ongoing basis a food pantry that helps put food on the tables of people who are in need. And we just, we appreciate, uh, we appreciate both of them, just amazing ladies to donate their time uh, during that, uh, Darlene and Susan, uh, wherever you are, we love you, and we're just proud of you for that ministry. We, uh, we, we help. Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. We help families with benevolence requests, and when there's a need that arises, we just reach out and meet it when God makes us aware of it. We help to spread the gospel throughout nations such as Israel and Honduras and Mexico, and we also help meet the practical needs of children in all of that. We give wherever, whenever, whatever, and to whomever the Holy Spirit directs. And our generosity as a church doesn't take place without God's favor and the faithfulness of God's people. The basic obedience to God's word in tithing and giving enables us to be a generous, a radically generous church blessing others. Now, it it would be easy for me today to make this whole sermon about tithing and giving. A couple of reasons. Well, let me give you three. Number one, I practice what I preach. Number two, I don't know who gives what. And number three, God has always fueled the economy of his kingdom through the faithful tithing and giving of believers. Before the law of Moses, during the law of Moses, after the law of Moses, and guess what? I don't care what those people who've raised millions in tithe are now saying that that's not God's plan. It is still God's plan to fuel his kingdom work in the earth until Jesus comes. And every Christian is called to be a part of that. That's why I tell people, if you are not tithing, then start today. And in three months, If it's not working in your life, we will give you your money back. By the way, we've never had anybody ask for a refund in all the years we've been doing this because God is true to his word and he is faithful to bless his people. But listen, we're going to go beyond just financial obedience with our first today and we're going to talk about becoming radically generous people, people who live to give. Now, we're going to see what we can do to become cheerful, generous givers, and it begins with the acceptance of truth. I want to give us a few truths, if you will, a few principles that if we embrace them will will position us in our thinking to become radically generous people. First of all, we do believe the promise of God's Word 
that when we are faithful in tithing and giving, he does bless us. But look what the scripture says about giving to those who are in need and simply being a radically generous giver. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. It's Proverbs. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Let me give you another word. Those who bless others will themselves be blessed, replenished by God who has a bountiful supply. That's biblical truth. However, generosity really begins when we embrace the fact that we are blessed already. Sometimes we're so focused on what we don't have, we forget about those things we do have. And I think it's time that right here in this service today, we do a little blessings counting. How many of you are saved by the grace of God and on your way to heaven? How many of you have food to eat and clothes on your back and a roof over your head? How many of you know the word of God declares that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory given to us in Christ Jesus? We are blessed already. Generosity begins with that mindset, Lord, I'm already blessed. Wow. Now, don't confuse being blessed with having everything you want. I know people that have everything they want and they ain't blessed. <laughs> Far from it. They may even be miserable. Blessing's not about having everything you want. It's about realizing what you already have. Wow. You're blessed because God is your father, and you are his child. And when his child is in need, he has an endless resources with which he can apportion to us to meet our need. And he does not withhold those things we need from us. We are blessed already. Sometimes the difference between being blessed and not being blessed begins with recognizing and having the attitude of gratefulness. Second truth, everything belongs to God. Let's look at the psalmist. The earth is the Lord's and some of the stuff in it. Did I misread that? What's it say? What? Everything. That means we own nothing. God owns everything. This is a truth which we must all grasp. All of it belongs to God. That with which we are blessed has only been assigned to us of a portion of what God possesses. And he has put it under our charge to manage or to steward, not to own. What the things with which I'm blessed are just a small portion of what God has. Therefore, what I have is not solely for my pleasure, it is for his purpose. And I, am, as a faithful steward of those things with which I've been blessed, I am to allocate those blessings according to his will and purpose. I manage and distribute his wealth, not my own. And this is the truth that the early Christians, the first century Christians, really grasped. Let's look in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. 
The first generation Christians sold houses and land and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet so that the needs of the congregation would be met and the work of God would go forward. Understand that the Bible even talks about one man named Joseph. It says that he sold a field that belonged to him. Now, it didn't say Joseph sold every field that belonged to him. It just says he sold a field that belonged to him. Now, I'm just going to have a transparent moment with you and tell you that this kind of Scripture is really supported by people who are constantly in need. They say, well, I shouldn't be in need if somebody else in the church has enough. Understand, it wasn't the demand of the poor that drove this. It was the motivation of the heart of God in the hearts of the people who had been blessed at a greater level. Anything less then God motivated spirit-led generous giving when it's demanded it's called socialism you understand it the preachers didn't get up and say go sell all your stuff and bring your money in nobody had to this was a church that was so passionate about the work of Jesus going forward that they realized God could do more with what they had than they could, and they were moved by the Holy Spirit to give radically generously to the work of God. But it began with them seeing, nothing I have is mine that is part of a truth that will make us radically generous. Now, third thing, here's the third truth. Wealth does not equal benevolence. I will tell you, I have known wealthy people that are radically generous. They look for ways to bless people. And if you don't want to be blessed, just don't hang around them. Because they love to bless people. I've seen very wealthy people that were very stingy. Like they didn't have a dime in their pocket. I mean, if they order coffee, you better be prepared to pay for it. They go, how do you think I got this way? Uh, somebody else buying my coffee. But so money doesn't equal generosity. It's not determined by the amount of money you have in the bank. It's determined by what you've got in your heart. The Bible tells us a, a time when Jesus is watching people give their offering into an offering box. And he sees wealthy people drop large amounts in. And then he sees a little widow with two copper coins who comes up and places those two coins in the offering box. And here's what Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of the poverty put all she had to live on. Think about that. That's radical generosity. Jesus was not chastening those who had given out of their abundance. But he was also recognizing those who didn't have a lot to give, but chose to give anyway. See, generosity is not about the amount. It's about what the amount cost us. He saw more generosity in a sacrificial gift than he did a larger gift that required no sacrifice. You don't have to be wealthy according to the world's standards to be a generous person. You just have to be willing to part with some of what you have already. Understand, once you accept these truths, we shift from there to the attitude of our hearts. 
Did you know you can give a huge amount of money or resources away and not be generous? Do you know that? Watch this. It all has to do with the attitude of our heart. Proverbs 23, one of my favorite scriptures. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. He, do not desire his delicacies, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Every French fry you eat, he's going, that's another 10 cent, okay? He says, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. Now, this is a famous scripture in the King James Version that has been misquoted many times. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Jesus said he's committing a generous act, but he's not a generous man because of the attitude of his heart. Generosity is not just an action. It is an attitude. It is a heart thing whereby we take joy. I, I, I want to give you, I believe, what, what's three attitudes of the heart that will really cause us to become generous people. Are you ready? The first attitude we should embrace if we're going to be generous is an attitude of gratitude. We should practice generosity based on the fact that we are grateful for the blessings of God in our own life. Gratefulness leads to generosity. We should be thankful we're in a position to help other people. How many of you will say, God's been good to me? Now, wait just a minute. That is so much less enthusiastic than God is good. Lord have mercy. Just a moment ago, you were all charged up. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. But I want you to think for a moment. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. Let me tell you something. We may have gone through some rough spots in our life, but if it had not been for the goodness of God in our lives, none of us would be here today. God has been better to us than our sins deserve. He has treated us with more grace than we have treated him with reverence. God has been good. When you realize how good he really is, you become grateful. And out of your gratefulness is born a generous heart. The second attitude that should mark the heart of someone who is grateful is that of compassion. Let's read 1 John three seventeen together. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? What a question. The love of God should move us to compassion for the needs of others that would lead us to be compassionately generous. Compassionate generosity is an expression of divine love. Now, I'm going to share a personal experience I had recently. And please do not think I'm bragging because I don't, as a minister, one of the great things you get to experience is doing a lot of behind the scenes things you can never tell people about. That's part of the joy of, of this calling. But sometimes I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to use a personal experience that may illustrate something for all of us. And I'm going to do that right now with your permission. Well, I'm really going to do it without it, but I just wanted you to know it was coming, okay? Now, recently, how many of you like to buy stuff off the internet, like Facebook Marketplace or sites where you can, like, you, you got, yeah, some of you are in the same boat I am. We're going to start a small group, a support group, really. And... Uh, <laughs> 
So I had agreed to buy something and set up a meet on, on the internet with this guy. And we negotiated what I felt was a really good deal. And uh, so I, I met him in a parking lot and we got to talking and the Holy Spirit says, ask him why he's selling. Do you mind me asking why you're selling? He said, well, I'm trying to raise money to pay for my kids' band tuition for school. And I've had cancer, and 12 years ago, they gave me six months, and God's given me 12 years. And he said, now they tell me it's back, and I don't know which way it's going to go. And I said, sir, are you a believer? He said, yes, I am. I used to run sound at my church when I was able. I said, let's pray together. And I took that man's hands, and I began to pray God's healing power over the cancer in his body. I mean, we had, we, it wasn't one of these token prayers. It was a prayer to move heaven and earth. And once we got done, God says, now pay for his child's band tuition. Lord, I just prayed for his cancer. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, he already, it's, it's tax pay, you know, tax money that pays for all this. It's going to be 150, a couple hundred dollars. I can part with that and, and, and bless this man. And I said, how much is it? He called off two and a half times larger than I thought the largest would be. You know what I did? I reached in the truck. I got the money and I said, here, pay for your kid's band tuition this year. This man began to break and cry and grabbed me in the middle of a parking lot, hugging me. See, what it was about was not just the money. This man was in a circumstance where he didn't know what was going to happen to him or his family, and he needed just a little postcard from heaven, but from God, saying, I've got you and I've got your family. Listen, I'm not a sucker for a sob story. I hear a bunch of them. People tell really good ones when they're wanting money. So I don't buy into that. But boy, when the Holy Spirit moves your heart with compassion for somebody in need, you're about to get to be a part of an opportunity to show the divine love of God to somebody in a tangible way. See, it's more than about the money. It was more than about his kid partaking in band. It was about God saying to him, you might have cancer, but I've got you. You may not worry. You may be worried about what's going to happen to you, but I've also got your family, and if you're not able to provide, I'll still be able to provide. Listen, there's an opportunity in generosity to show the very heart of God to other people, and that's what's so amazing about it. A compassionate heart is one that will lead you to generosity. The third attitude of the heart, I believe, that will spark generosity in us is joy. This is the attitude of a truly generous person. They take delight in giving more than in getting. They know what the Scripture says to be true. It is truly better to give than to receive. I've been in both circumstances. I've been the one that needed the money. I've been the one able to give the money. I've been the one in need and the one able to meet the need. It's better to give than to receive. Just to be in the position to help someone. Now watch this. The Bible says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful in the Greek is hilaros, from which we get our word hilarious. When we were talking about this, 
uh, in the meeting on Thursday. So we're going through the sermon. I said, when something is over the top funny, we go, that's hilarious. And they said, no, pastor, today we go, LOL. Well, that could mean anything. I had one preacher that, that ran right to his wife to watch out for him because he thought that meant lots of love, and a woman had sent that to him in a text. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> it's hilarious. Have you ever seen anything that was hilarious? It could be good or bad, but it was hilarious. You know, you can tell how old you are by how people react when you fall. If they're like, oh, my Lord, and they're coming over to you, you're old. But if you, like, fall and, you know, bust your skull and they go, that's hilarious, you're still young. Okay? When something's over the top, it's hilarious. And I believe what the Scripture's telling us is that's the way our joy in giving should be. It should be over-the-top joy. There should be something in us that takes such delight in demonstrating the love of God through generosity. Let me ask you this. We're approaching the Christmas season. I have a niece in our family that's been giving us posts about Christmas for three months now. <laughs> Only 250 more days to Christmas. And leading up to Christmas, every one of us will ask a child this question, what's Santa Claus going to bring you for Christmas? And then they're like, uh, let me get out my iPad. I need a new one, by the way. That's on my list. And, and, and they're, they, they just give you this long list. Well, I want this and I want that. What if this year we taught our children the joy of giving at Christmas rather than getting what if we showed them there's a greater level of joy than what comes to you, and that's what God can get through you? I'm reminded of the story of, uh, of a former pastor when his son was little, and every year when they would get a toy at Christmas, they would make him go back and get his favorite toy from last Christmas and give it away to another child. One year he got something he really wanted. He had really wanted it a long time. He opened it up, and he clutched it tight, and he said, I'm not giving this to the poor. <laughs> but what a way to teach our children generosity. Find a family and adopt them. Tell your child, hey, we're going shopping this year for another little girl who doesn't have anything for Christmas or another little boy who doesn't have anything for Christmas. What a way to teach our children the real joy of giving. Life is not all about getting. Life is about living to give, displaying the love of God every opportunity we get. Once we accept those truths that it all belongs to God, we own nothing. We're already blessed, and we don't have to be wealthy to be generous. And once we embrace those attitudes then generosity must become the action of our lives. Do you know we've established you can give without being generous? We've already shown you that in Scripture. But guess what? You can't be generous without giving. <laughs> I want to give us a few practical steps that will open up the action of generosity in our lives. Are you ready? First one, be obedient with your first Malachi 3 and 10 tells us to bring the full tithe into the storehouse. A tithe 
is 10% of our, not our income, but whatever is our increase, okay? That there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Wow. Some versions say blessings you can't contain. If you can't contain it, you got to release it. So God says, be obedient with your first, and I will bless you enough that you can release. Wow. We may exercise discretion. When God prompts our heart, we can give to whomever he says to give for whatever reason. That's, that's spirit-led. But that first 10% of all that we have comes to God as an act of obedience. We bring it into the storehouse of the local church and we bless the work of God that the work of God may go forward. But you know what? Truly generous people don't stop there. God says he will increase your level of blessing in which we walk and will become a greater blessing. I will pour you out blessings greater than that which you can contain until there's no more need, not only in your life, but you may be meeting the, life, the needs in the lives of others. Second, once you're obedient with your first, watch this, set a giving objective. I'm talking about a giving goal. Now, I don't want to point this out in a way that chastises anyone, but it is something that a lot of people do, and it's very career-oriented, but how many of you have ever set an income goal? I want to make this much money. Anybody? You're, you're afraid. You know I'm about to do something, right? So you're afraid to do it up. That's well and good, but you have just short You've, you've just shortchanged yourself. You have just set a goal that includes your own ability to earn rather than God's ability to bless. If you want to walk in a greater level of blessing, don't set an income goal, set a giving goal. My wife and I have the same giving goal every year, and that's to give more than we ever have before. And we're serious about that. And we look for opportunities for that. But you know what I've found? That if God knows he can get it through us, then he'll bring it to us. If he knows that, that me being blessed is not all about me being blessed. Come on, somebody. When he knows that me walking in his blessings, not about how it's going to impact me, but the impact it can have in the lives around me, that's a greater level of blessing. I challenge every person in this room, get rid of your income goal, get a giving goal, and watch God do what he is capable of doing, which will be much greater than your own ability to earn. Last but not least, stay sensitive to opportunities. Realize that opportunities to be generous are actually opportunities to share the love of God with someone in need. And it's powerful. I'll never forget the look on that man's face in that parking lot that day. He came in downhearted. He left with hope. And it all came through a small act of obedience and generosity to his life. I know one person who keeps $101 bills in their glove compartment. Now, ushers, don't let anybody leave. They'll be out there checking cars, okay? I said, why do you keep $101 bills in your glove compartment? He said, for the people I see at the street corners. 
And when God says, give to this one, I just reach in there, get some of that out, and I give to him. And when I run out, I go back to the bank. And he, he said, you should see them, their eyes when I say, can I have $101 bills, please? They think I'm going to some club somewhere or something, you know, but I'm not. I want to be ready to be generous for somebody if they're in need and God leads. Now, listen, I know there are scammers out there. Some of them live in better houses than we do, and we give them money to pay for it. But we cannot let dishonest scammers stop our generosity. I'm going to say something here. Tip your servers well. They are working hard while you are eating out. Please do not wear a GC t-shirt and tip 5%. Get you a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Simmons, any other t-shirt. <laughs> but don't wear one from this church and be stingy with your tipping. <laughs> Some of you are like, uh, I, we got to change before we go out to eat today. <laughs> I see some of you got your shirts on. Don't you all do it. <laughs> you know the lowest tipping day of the, of the week? Sunday. You know why? That's when all the church people go out to eat. Wow. Let's change that statistic in our community. Did you hear me? Let's do it. Because you know what? Did you? <laughs> I used to be one of these people that if the service was really good, I'd tip really good. And if it was really bad, I reciprocated. Let's just call it that, put it like that. And God spoke to me one day. And he said, you're letting other people determine your generosity. They don't determine it. I do. Did you realize that your day of bad service might be the result of a horrible day in someone's life? that's stressed over finances because she's a single mom working three jobs and she's so tired she can hardly see straight and she forgot to fill your tea glass. That's hard. Did you realize a generous tip with awful service might be the postcard from heaven to that person that God says, I know you're working hard, I see your stress, and I've got you covered. Be generous when you find a need. Give to missions and ministries within your local church. Give to the things that are advancing the work of the kingdom of God. Now listen, the young people will take every dollar you give to them. And if you're not careful, they'll be taking some out of your other pocket when you're not looking. I understand that. I mean, they like to do big things with small budgets. And you know what? The generosity of this church helps make that happen. Some of you have walked up to them and given them money to support the youth ministry of this church. That's powerful. You're giving to what matters. You're becoming generous. Don't live with a closed fist. Because a closed fist will not only prevent you from releasing, it will also prevent you from receiving. But if you will open your hand so that you can freely give, that hand is also open for God to bless you again. I want to end with this story. It's one of my favorite stories of generosity. Archie Letourneau 
left school at the age of 14 to be an apprentice ironmonger. If you don't know what an ironmonger is, Google it. That's what I had to do. He took machining classes. He worked in World War I as a machinist, got out, started a business, and that business failed, and he found himself driving a crawler tractor to move dirt. But with his experience and the knowledge he had gained, it led him to be able to develop several earth-moving machines, including the backhoe. He's the one that completed the Boulder Highway to Hoover Dam. His factory ended up supplying 70% of all of the moving equipment and engineering vehicles in World War II. In his success, which was immense, he set aside 90% of his personal income and 90% of the profits from his company to give to the work of the Lord. And so, that's radical generosity. Think about that. And somebody asked him how he did that and why he did it. He said, well, I shovel it out and God shovels it in and God's got a bigger shovel. What a great attitude toward the blessings of God. God's got a bigger shovel. This comes from the guy that invented the backhoe, by the way. That's a pretty big shovel. And he says, my backhoes, they're nothing compared to what the Father has. I want to encourage you, start living to give. I'm not just talking about being obedient with tithe and offering. I'm talking about investing your time, your resources, your energies, and your efforts into the lives of those around you. And I will tell you, you will never live a more joyful life than you will when you become the person that shows and shares the love of God through generosity. I want us to stand together. I'll close with the statement made by the late great preacher from Memphis, Adrian Rogers, when he said this, a faith that has not reached your wallet has not yet reached your heart. For where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. I thank you for being a generous church. But you know what? I want us just to be generous people everywhere we go, showing and sharing the love of God. Some of you are doing that. All of us should be. And that takes surrender. And I'm going to invite Pastor Blake to come and just pray that the spirit of godly love and generosity would grip our hearts. And guess what? We may even get to be generous before the day is over and meet a need in somebody's life we didn't anticipate. God bless you. If we could all bow our heads in prayer. And as we pray, even though I'm leading, I want to encourage you, you have a conversation with your heavenly Father. As the Word tells us not to give because we're caressed, coerced, but to give according to what the Holy Spirit tells us. And that doesn't happen if we don't have open ears. We have to be open in prayer and in dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. God, I thank you, Lord, for this word that for some can be challenging, for some can be inspiring. For others, God, it can be convicting. And Lord, I pray that whoever the different 
way that it's leading towards us, the different way that it's communicating with us, Lord, I know that you are going to water the seed. God, we follow your example as John 3.16 tells us, you loved the world so much that you gave and then later we hear from Paul to follow me as I follow Christ. And so we, we, we receive the word to be givers. Lord, we receive Jesus so that we can be a giver. Lord, we receive salvation so we can pass it along to others. We receive from you, Lord, every blessing, every financial blessing, every spiritual blessing, every physical, emotional, Lord, so we can then be a giver of the same thing. And God, I pray that your word that went out today, Lord, that came directly from you, Lord, it, it just represents the heart of love. You loved the world so much that you gave. God, help us to have that heart of love. Help us to have that heart of generosity. As Pastor Barry said, it starts with obedience, but Lord, I don't want to only be obedient, but I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with the blessings that you give. I want to be generous, Lord, with the, with the talents that you give. Lord, you don't give so that we can all keep it to ourselves. You give so that it passes through us. Help us to have the heart of the Father with the motive of love. giving in such a way that lets a lost and dying world know that Jesus, the one who gave all, is still here ministering through the lives of the body of Christ. God, we thank you for that. Lord, and we ask for you to help us in these. these give us these opportunities Lord, to be generous to others. Give us these opportunities to sow kingdom seeds. Lord, whether that's financially, whether that's just helping a brother moving furniture, whether that's uh, helping someone off the street, Lord, whatever it is, God, we pray that we have ears to hear where you're leading. God, and let our hearts be so generous as examples of what a Christ follower should look like giving with joy, not in reluctancy, but in joy. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today at Generation Changers Church. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. GC can now be your home church no matter where you live with GC Church Online. Watch weekly messages wherever you are with family and friends. Join our online family today by texting the word online to 615-488-7151. And let's do life together. If you would like more information, please visit gcchurch.tv. And special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or texting the word GIVE to 615-375-4286 or by going to gcchurch.tv and clicking the GIVE tab. God bless you and we'll see you next week.